What if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. All right. All right. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of TWC Talks, the Wealthy Consultant Podcast. I'm super excited to have with me today a very special guest, an actual member of the MDC family as well. So she's even more VIP than the rest, but uh, excited to have you here, Marley. Thanks so much for joining me and sharing your knowledge with our audience. I know we're going to get a lot out of this one. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, me too. This is going to be awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So let's just do, you know, of course, we got to do the little intro here. So give us the little Reader's Digest version. What, what's your background? Where are you from? What are you, where are you doing? All that good stuff. We want to know. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Marley Jax. I have a production company, Jax Productions. And um, we started as a little social media side gig when I was a dental hygienist, uh, which I, I'm a very creative person. So cleaning teeth all day is not very creative, very boring. Uh, my The way that I would entertain myself was by telling different stories to different patients throughout the day. And then uh, that, I think that's what grew my storytelling ability. Um, as a kid, I always, I used to like steal my dad's video camera and make movies. And then, nice. uh, that turned into my career when I, when I always had the dream of like, I want to make movies in Hollywood. Now I kind of get to do that for entrepreneurs on their YouTube channels, in their social media content. Uh, we make disruptive content that, uh, builds client, builds entrepreneurs into an A-list brand. Amazing. Amazing. And that, that's that key word, right? And one of the, the words in, in the title of this episode, you know, the power of disruptive content. So let's go straight there because that's, that's what's like near and dear to my heart, especially like as I learn more about you and what you do and what you bring to the market for your clients, I think it's just exceptional because it's one thing to produce content. It's a whole nother universe to create good content. And then I think it's another even layer on top of that to create disruptive content. So what do we mean when we say disruptive content, number one, and number two, what is the power of it? Like why, why is it important and how would, how it could pertain to a lot of different types of people that may or may not necessarily view themselves as a quote unquote disruptor in their, in their environment. I, it's funny, I I'm doing a challenge right now and someone was like, I don't see myself as a disruptor. Like I'm really a peacekeeper. And I was like, well, you know, Gandhi and mother Teresa were disruptors in their time too. It doesn't have to be that you're like coming out and being controversial and, and mean and polar, but you know, we do want to have, uh, you, you're taking a stand, you breaking the status quo, shaking the status quo. And something that I always say is we create content for the 1%. Like what is 1% doing? What is the 99% doing? If you want to have what the 1% have, you have to do what 99% are not willing to do. And when you think about what 99% are doing, they are eager to fit in but fitting in is failing. They are playing it safe, but playing it safe is risky. They're avoiding criticism, but avoiding criticism is boring. Um, Great book from Seth Godin, Purple Cow. He talks about people who have projects that are never criticized are the ones who ultimately fail. And if you think about the, the people, the businesses, the brands that are iconic, and constantly talked about, they, they're not status quo because people don't rave about ordinary. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about being, uh, disruptive, it's being willing to take a stand and uh, go against the status quo and bring out a different belief. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And so that's kind of something that has come up over the years in, in, for myself, working with a lot of different clients and helping them bring their message to the world. 
is, you know, one of the first things they, they inevitably face as we put them in on a, say a bigger stage, right? Like we start getting them some attention outside of their initial warm markets. They quickly discover there's a whole lot of trolls out there, a whole lot of, you know, negative Nancy's, whatever you want to call them that, you know, will flood their, their posts and comments and do the things. And, and my response to that is like, Hey, congratulations. Like right. there's no one famous that doesn't have haters. And, and I tell them that specifically, I'm like, if you don't have haters, you're not going big enough. You're not famous enough. And yeah, so I, I try to make them switch it to become like a badge of honor. You know, it's like, oh, congratulations. You got some, like, you're actually somebody now, you know? And I think that reframe really helps people. Not to say that it's not difficult though, you know, like it can be scary to put yourself out there and become a disruptor. And to the point, like you said, you know, this, this person was like, oh, I don't know if I view myself as that. So how do you get someone to become more confident and comfortable to put themselves out there to be a disruptor like that? That's, that's a, can be a scary thing for some people. For sure. And it's, it can totally be like a, a muscle that you grow. Like I, I would say about myself, even a year ago, six months ago, um, a negative comment could, you know, affect me, trigger me. Um, but th then it was like the more that I created content that I had to ask myself, like, how much do I believe in what I say that I'm creating? Mm. Um, it just became more of, you know, it, if someone didn't like it, it was like, good, you know, more, if you have people that like it and don't like it, they still both talk about it. I did a documentary at the beginning of this year about cancel culture. And, um, we, for a day, like broke our corner of the internet because we did a pretty big social experiment where the, the whole video is, um, an experiment to see if I can get myself canceled. Oh, and wow. the way that we did it was, um, it's cool because when, you, when you're watching the documentary, and if anyone wants to see, you can just go to my YouTube channel, look at Marley Jacks. We'll, we'll link um, to it. We'll put it below, yeah. right? So you can check it out. I'm excited. It's quite the ride. Um, I don't know if I want to give it away, but in the documentary, um, my mugshot is leaked by a big influencer. And behind the scenes, like we just went silent to watch what people were going to do. And then at the end, we reveal what actually happened. And so for the, for the public that was going through it, like they, you know, we had people that were like, oh yeah, we knew Marley was crazy. And some people that were like, is Marley okay? And why are you posting this? And, um, and in the documentary, there's, there's quite the plot twist at the end. And it was really cool. We, we won an award uh, at the Manhattan Film Festival and the LA Documentary Film Festival. And it was cool to be in a theater watching people watch it that, wow. uh, the plot twist at the end, they're like, whoa. But what I'm trying to get at with that is when we, when we created that documentary and we did that social experiment, which now we call a docu stunt, a documentary publicity stunt. Mm. Um, we had a, an outpouring of people that were like, that was brilliant. That was incredible. I've never seen marketing like that. And we also had people that were like, you are a terrible person. You emotionally manipulated us. How dare you? <laughs> and of course, you don't want to hear that kind of response. <laughs> But at the same time, it's like we we absolutely accomplished what we set out to do. Um, and we the people that loved it are still talking about it months later. And so are the people who didn't like it, which our message is still being pushed further as a result. Amazing. Amazing. And so that, yeah, and that kind of makes me think about the power of storytelling in general. You know, kind of one of the mantras I've held for years and where it came from. I don't know. One of my mentors over the years, but it was, it was always the concept that, you know, facts tell, but stories sell when mm -hmm. you can get your audience to engage with you in stories. I mean, throughout humankind, like all of humanity, we've transferred information through story first, 
then we got into curriculum and, you know, books and then the internet and radio, TV, all the things. But it all first started with just sharing stories, passing stories on from one generation to the next. And that's how we like grew. That's how we learned and everything else. So it goes to show that like our human brains are built for stories. We think mm -hmm. in picture words, you know, we say, uh, think of a white house with a red door, a white picket fence, green, big green yard, a tree. Yeah. Like you're not thinking of words like red right. door, R-E-D. No, you're visioning a red door, you know? And so getting the mind to conjure up all those pictures is just such a powerful thing, um, which goes to show like when you have someone with like yourself, with your skills and your abilities to create and craft these stories, it seems like such a big thing though. Like how do you, how do you get people like myself, like others that would say, well, they understand the power of storytelling. They understand the power of video in particular, but maybe that's not, they don't view themselves as like video people or that they would feel confident in doing that. How do you get people to make, you know, jump that hurdle? Well, and, and there are clients that we have that they're like, I don't feel comfortable on video, but they crush it on Twitter. And like, you know, it, it's about creating a specific, we call it the brand fame formula for their personality type. It's content personality syncing where okay. it's like, you know, this, this person is really great with written word. This person is better with like long form storytelling. Some people just totally crush it with short form storytelling. Um, either way, we're installing storytelling into whatever the medium is and reverse engineering the epiphany that we want the audience to have and the, the brand, the relationship through the, the producer and the consumer. Amazing. Amazing. So I would imagine there's probably a lot of connection between copywriting and storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Like the psychological journey, like you just said, the epiphany that you would want people to have at the end, you got to kind of like reverse engineer those, those thoughts and think, well, what do I want the end to look like? What do I want them to feel after they're done viewing or reading um, my content? So I'd imagine that's pretty, you know, complex and not something that we can necessarily completely cover here, but are there any basics that you could maybe share with our audience where they're thinking, okay, I want to commit. I understand the idea that getting content out there, you know, getting more eyes and whatnot. Are there any kind of just basics that you could maybe share with the audience that could help them at least get on their way to becoming a better content creator? Yeah. And so in every piece of content, um, like you said, we reverse engineer the epiphany. We actually have, um, it's a story selling framework. It's called the Elsa framework. And I joke saying like, don't let it go. Cause of course parents, <laughs> <let> you, <laughs> you know, that song to test. Well, Pixar reference there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Elsa stands for epiphany lesson story application. So, you know, reverse engineer the, uh, epiphany. What's the lesson inside of it, but don't teach it like a Charlie Brown fact. Wah, 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 wah. You got to wrap it up into a story. And then the application of what's next, like what's the next video, what's the call to action or, you know, what, how did they now apply this? Um, but also in that story, there's, you know, a few things that I can name quickly, like what's the common enemy that, that you as the storyteller, you're defending the viewer, your clients from that makes you feel like that makes you like the hero. Cause then you align the customer journey with the hero's journey that you're bringing the viewer on an adventure with you. And it makes them feel like that you're their leader. You got their back and that they're also part of this mission. And totally. we, al we always compare this to like the hero's journey. Like, um, you know, imagine that you're Frodo, you're leaving the Shire, like your content, your call to action is also asking your audience to leave their ordinary world, cross the threshold into this new adventure, this new way of life with you. Wow. Amazing. 
Yeah, it seems like such a big thing. I mean, um, in your opinion, and I know that you teach people, to your point, you, you teach people how to be, create disruptive content across all platforms. It's not just mm-hmm. you know YouTube, although it, it seems to me, at least for you personally, YouTube, it, would you say, is, is that your jam? Is that where you feel like you're, you spend the most time in creating the video, long form video content? It's my favorite, but it is also the probably the more, more challenging of the platforms. But when you have it, it's like it's like online real estate. It's attention that you own instead of rent, and it has compounding returns because your channel just keeps. Like I actually this year, okay, last year I was hustling, putting out five videos a week because I was like, I really want to grow my channel to a hundred thousand. I want to build that credibility, and really, that's an arbitrary number. Like we have clients that have like ten thousand subscribers, and they're making millions of dollars and generating leads organically from their YouTube channels. Amazing. Like you don't need a big channel to do this. Um, but I was like, you know, I had that goal. Like, I think a lot of people have the goal of a hundred thousand and, um, and I was putting up five videos a week and you know what I got? I got burnt out. Like I, I I didn't get the hundred thousand. And then this year we put out two videos, one of them being the cancel culture documentary. And we like shot up 60,000 subscribers from two videos. So, um, so when you have that content and when you actually are committed to the creativity and the relationship rather than just like, I'm just going to throw out content and check it off like a checklist. Um, that's when you actually, I feel like you grow and you connect with the audience more because of the, the, the love of the message. Interesting. Interesting. So there's, there is such a thing as quality over quantity then when it comes to this type of stuff, huh? Because that's much, what we yeah. hear all the time, right? That's the intimidating part. It's like you need eight hundred thousand pieces of content every week, and you're <laughs> like, "What? You like how and why?" And you know, right. so that can just be really overwhelming. I would say for almost most people, unless they have an entire team dedicated to nothing but that. So, how do you conquer that whole element of that ratio of I need to be everywhere all the time, and 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 yet still creating value and content that's you know of quality? That that seems like a pretty big task, in my opinion. Yeah, Gary Vee kind of, uh, you know, shoved that down our throats of like create a hundred pieces of content a day. And in a way it's like, sure, we want to put in the reps because you don't get to quality without quantity. You got to learn your voice. And at the beginning, you're also, you're creating content for your audience, but you're also creating it for yourself to find your voice. And if you look back at the beginning of Gary Vee, like when he was doing wine library TV, he was just, you know, a guy in the room, in a room talking about wine. And you don't always get to see the 10,000 hours that goes into a person to become the expert that they are today. Um, so yes, that's some, like I would say to, you know, phase one is like, yes, put out quantity and it's going to suck until at one point you don't suck anymore, but then you're also still always evolving. Um, and you know, you hear the saying of like, just get 1% better every time. Um, but at the same time, uh, don't expect that like after just a hundred videos, like then you'll, you're done and you've made it because it's, it's an evolution. Like the content that I was making six years ago, or even just a year ago is so different from today. And I can't wait to see the content that I start creating a year from now when I continue on this path. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so when it comes to that creative side of creating the content, obviously, you know, you can be the voice, the, the face, et cetera. Um, or the person writing it, if it's just written form, um, what kind of outsourcing or, or how do you manage the, the whole creative side? Like obviously for, for example, I'm not a video editor and I can, but I look at your stuff and it's just incredible. You know, you're, you're 
your presence online or on this on the camera, but also just like the images and the graphics and everything that gets cut in. Like there's a lot going on there. And I know there's kind of a lot of cookie cutter like solutions for that now. We were talking about that before you and I jumped on kind of that, uh, especially within the internet marketing space, I feel in particular, uh, there's just a lot of copycatting going on and it just seems so like homogenized. It just, everybody's starting to look kind of the same and it's almost laughable. So you in particular are able to stand out amongst that noise. I'd be very interested to know like where your, what your thoughts are on all, all of that. Like how do you stand out amongst the people that are all trying to stand out now? So it's like, now you're not all these disruptors are standing around each other and you're all trying to be disruptive. So how does that look and work? And then we're all just marketing to each other. Yeah. Right. I get so many messages in my inbox every day of like, Hey, I can make you Hermosi style reels. And I'm like, I don't want to be Hermosi. And, and, but yes, he has, <coughs> excuse me. He has strategies that work. Of course, like, you know, the, the, text on the screen and stuff, but it's not like his font or wearing a nose strip that made him who he yeah. is. It's, you know, again, going back to- <laughs> Oh, it's not content. the nose strip? Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to return that package. It just showed up today. So God dang it. It's crazy. I actually see people wearing nose strips in no. their, their content. And I'm like, oh my God. not you. What if are you only doing? it were that easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so it's, it's, again, going back to the content personality syncing and finding a a framework that works for you. And so one of the things I also like to think of is like, think of like cross pollination or do you ever see on um, what game? I think it's Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, where he does that game called musical wheel of impressions. Have yes. you seen that? Yes, so the, the, the performer comes on and they like hit the button and it'll have like a regular, you know, kids nursery rhyme mixed with a genre. So it'll be like Ariana Grande will hit the button. And it'll be like, sing Mary had a little lamb. Like you were Christina Aguilera. And it's hilarious because they totally. put two different genres together. And so you can do that with content as well. So for example, look at, oh, I don't know, Hamilton, founding fathers, hip hop, like massive world changing content, uh, Broadway show, or um, there's show, a YouTube yeah. channel. Think of like film and food. Two very saturated niches, put it together. It's Binging with Babish, which is a YouTube channel that has like millions of subscribers where he makes the food that you see in his favorite movies. So he's doing a movie review while he's making like the tiramisu from Superbad or the ratatouille from, you know, ratatouille. Wow. <laughs> and so that's a way that you can also be disruptive while still speaking to something that we already know is uh, a red ocean, like take two red oceans and put them together. There you have a blue ocean. That's phenomenal. Um, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's always really fun to like, that's one of the things I do with my clients is like, what are a lot of your interests? So for me, I love Hollywood. Like, I don't know how I just absorb fun facts about celebrities and like history about Hollywood and how movies are made. And so I was like, what if I combined Hollywood with marketing and I shared some things about like, here's how Hollywood markets their movies that you don't actually like it's choreographed scandal, but it gets you talking and you think that it's you know, oops, oh my gosh, how did the Barbie movie accidentally be very uh, inappropriate in their movie poster? Actually, they did that on purpose to get you talking about it. Cool thing. Yeah, like that. I love all that stuff. Yeah, we could go way yeah. deep down that rabbit trail totally. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, all, all the little um, 
all the little details that people think are mistakes are actually, like you said, choreographed and, and very well thought out. It's, it's scientific, it's right. It's, it's the blend yeah. of art and science. And I'm fascinated by that too. Well, you and I will have to geek out on that some other time for yeah. sure. Well, and that's, that's the cancel culture documentary is like, we kind of pull one over the public and then we show them how we did it. So, you know, some people were upset about you emotionally manipulated us. I'm like, actually, I did a social experiment and then I showed you how I did it so I could arm you with the knowledge of this is what is actually happening in politics, propaganda, the new media, social media. Like, here's an example of how it's happening and oh, how yeah. you could either be aware of it or you can also use it in your content, but, you know, do it ethically. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's an old movie out there. I'm probably dating myself called wag the dog. And I watched it when I was younger and is, um, it was pretty interesting insights into Hollywood's use in to wartime and, and politics mm -hmm. and all that. It's, it's really interesting. Um, so one of the things that comes to mind for me is, you know, building a media empire, like you have, um, you know, your, your platform agnostic, you, you can, you create content across all platforms, what what do you do then like you've caught the eyeball and i know there's this whole art and again science between taking attention and then bringing it over into an environment where you can have that conversation of whatever it is that you do right and i think that's the question i see a lot inside of like launch kit and some of our other um programs here at uh the wealthy consultant where people are like okay well, I'm getting people to engage with me online, but then what, what do I do, you know, without feeling salesy or like, you know, mm -hmm. bait and bait and switch type thing. So how, how do you do that? How do you infuse your message with also calls to action that feel authentic and, and not spammy or, or like, again, bait and switch. How, do you have any suggestions for that? When you have content and you've built this content empire where People just, they follow you because they love you as a brand. So you think about people like Mr. Beast, Hermosi, Kardashians, Mark Cuban, you know, Elon Musk, like they can sell not just a thing, they can sell anything. Well, you yeah. look at someone like even The Rock attaches his name to a tequila, boom, billion dollar brand. Um, and they don't even necessarily need to be like hard pushing selling it. It's part of just like, the story or, you know, once in a while in the content. And so for us, we actually have a, um, we kind of create like a, a content pyramid where it's like, we have a videos, B videos, C videos, the A videos are like the anchor videos. Like, so for me, it'd be the cancel culture documentary. Um, that's like, you know, that was a big production and it's a, uh, it's a piece of content that like can go quite viral. Then you can have your B videos that are, that are bold. Um, they can have more of a call to action, but they lead back to the A video. So you're actually creating this like flywheel of content. And then the C videos are just like the consistent everyday kind of content that can have more regular calls to action, but they're also speaking to the B and the A videos. So people are like in this flywheel where they're, they're going from one video to the next to the next. Um, and it just becomes like part of, you know, anything that they talk about. We also create calls to actions as like a by the way, instead of like a commercial break, because people don't want to watch commercials anymore. Like we, we pay extra to not, not have to watch commercials. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so when we have a call to action, we, we make it or even see like what the big YouTubers are doing. Like Mr. Beast, his, uh, sponsorship, um, you know, segues in his videos, he's made them like competitions. He's made that. So it's really interesting to watch. Um, so for in ours, when we're doing that, when we're creating calls to actions, we, we want to like make it a very subtle, like you don't even realize that you're getting a call to action or a by the way, which if you've created this reputation, uh, and, 
and people are like, they want to keep watching your content. You know, you, you see also people like Hermosi that's like, I have nothing to sell you that when you think he's going to sell you something when he did that, that big webinar, people were like, I'll take anything you have to offer. Like they clamored over a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just in, in the calls to actions, we really make it more about the relationship before we ever drop a call to action. And the call to action is, um, is subtle. Yeah. I love that. And it kind of goes back to, you know, in the forties and fifties, a lot of, um, commercials were actually product placement, mm-hmm. you know, it would be that subtle use of that particular, you know, detergent or that particular pack of cigarettes back in the day or whatever it was like those, those were the commercials. Right. And I think we're kind of going back towards that now to your point, like people pay fairly good money to not have to watch commercials and I'll, I'll specifically record everything. So I don't ever have to sit there through a commercial. And so now as a, you know, company or brand or service or whatnot, you have to figure out, okay, well, how do I infuse the, the use of my product or service into what they want to watch. Right. So I think it just becomes a little bit more, I don't know, you just have to think of it a little bit more crafty and, and weave it into the story making, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just subtle. <laughs> yeah. Subtle, subtle. Love it. All right. Last question for you. And um, this is my geeky brain coming out on you here. What do you view the future with technology? And we've, we've got AI, we've got virtual reality, augmented reality, all these things. When it comes to content creation, where does all that go in your mind? Like, where do you think this plays out um, over the next, you know, three, five, 10 years of mm-hmm. content creation and, and how, do, how you stand out amongst that whole side of things? I think um, people are going to start craving more of a human connection. Like it's, it's like you already tell sometimes when the content is, it's been written by an AI bot. Like it has too many metaphors. It has too many emojis. Uh, it just, it doesn't mm. sound like a human. And so right now, even, you know, AI has leveled the playing field that anyone that can read can get a script spit out by chat GPT. They can, you know, perform it, read it talking head and even have a machine that will cut up their ums and ahs and throw it up on YouTube. Um, and I think that, I mean, already you look at people's attention spans that they are less now than a goldfish. And so for us to keep people's attention, like we have to be the best storytellers. We have to be great with our hooks, with our attention resets, our pattern interrupts. And, you know, maybe, maybe AI will be able to keep learning and, and doing that in ways that humans can't. But I think it's also that you look at what like Mr. Beast or Eric or any of these like big YouTubers are doing, like they're doing big experiments, big sensational, um, even like their philanthropy content is sensational. It requires the creator to get their butt out of the chair and, and film content in a way where like, they're kind of putting themselves in uncomfortable situations at times. Um, I think that talking head is going to just become like boring unless you have a really powerful message. And I don't, Sure, you can play around with ChatGPT, but use ChatGPT as like a calculator, not the final say in your creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think that the people that are going to stand out are going to be the ones that um, they use it as a tool, but they don't use it as their their final say. And I'm really interested to see how um, how people use AI to even like replace themselves. Like I know people are like, I don't like being on camera. Okay, I'll just you know put myself into a a generator and have it move my mouth for me. Yeah. Although I just feel like people will see past that. Um, so I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out, but I know it's that for me, wild. Like, I know that 
we use it kind of to a minimum. We make sure that it's always like started and ended with a human element. <laughs> I agree. I, I'm a huge advocate for that too. The, the human component, you know, it's, it's woven into the, our DNA and um, we're, you know, our brains are pretty good radars for BS and for, uh, for things that aren't genuine. Right. And it's, it's hard to create that f- sense of being genuine when it's, like you said, run through a generator or whatnot. So definitely tracking with you there, but it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I'm, I I mean, I could literally like talk your ear off about all this stuff. I, my list of questions I had for you are so long and we didn't even touch like most of them, but maybe I'll just spam you with a long ass email later. But, um, what, what can we say, what can we tell our audience about you, about how to learn more about you? Because obviously the, the ability to create disruptive content is a skill that a lot of people would want to know about how to do better and more and all those things. So how do we, how do we send our people to you so they can learn to do that? Yeah, I'd love that. Um, Go to VIPleadmachine.com. That's how you can get in touch with us or feel free to reach out on, um, on Instagram, look up Marley Jacks and uh, check out some of my content on YouTube, look up Marley Jacks and you can see some examples of disruptive content. Ooh, love it. Love it. And I'll, I'll make sure that the team puts the links below. So, um, if you're viewing this on a device somewhere, somehow, then uh, we'll make sure that some links are below so you can tap into that information. Marley, thank you so much for this. I appreciate you blocking out some time for us and for our audience. This has been awesome. And, um, you've inspired me to figure out how to become more of a disruptor in my own little niche of the, the interwebs. So yep. thank you for that. And, uh, you're awesome in the, in the group, in the modern day consultant group. So I just value everything that you do there and the, the, the lift that you bring to the community. It's very noticeable. So I'm so happy that you're here and, uh, look forward to chatting up with you soon again as well. Thank you so much. All right. See you guys. Have a great one. Uh, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe, all those things, share it. If you liked it, uh, if you think this could impact someone else's life, if you want to learn more about content creation, all the things that it takes to be a disruptor and to be noticed and seen in your, in your niche of the world and in your vertical and industries, um, by all means, follow Marley. She's an awesome force in the world of all things content creation. Right. I know you'll be happy that you did. Thanks guys. We'll see you on another episode. Take care.